This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, here recently I was listening to a podcast episode, and here's the deal. Sometimes I'll be listening to content or reading content or watching content, and it'll just kind of catch me off guard. Maybe I've not been paying super attention to what's being said on the podcast. Maybe I've kind of zoned out a little bit because I'm working out or mowing the lawn or driving or something like that. But here recently, I was listening to an episode of the Steven Crowder podcast. And so again, I I have to say this every time I, I talk about Steven Crowder is I don't listen to him that much. I don't watch his stuff that much, but the stuff I do watch, most of it is funny. Uh, most of it's informative. There are some things he does that I feel like go a little bit too far, but that's kind of his shtick. He's kind of the the comedian for the conservative space. He doesn't really have uh, a governor on his speech or something like that. And so anyway, that, that's just kind of what I was saying, but it was at the end of one of his episodes and I'll, I'll include the episode here at the end of your show notes. So you can uh, take a look at what I was looking at. This was an episode in particular that had Alex Jones on as a guest. And so just as a, a matter of habit, anytime Alex Jones is being interviewed, He's so insane and he's so ridiculous and his grip on reality is so strained that I just find it funny. I find it very entertaining to watch him. And so this was an episode I was like, okay, I got to watch it. I got to see what crazy thing that Alex Jones says. And lo and behold, he did say something crazy. But if you're a fan of Steven Crowder, even if you're not at the end of his episodes, maybe you'll take five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, and he'll just kind of talk about a subject. So it's kind of like a little bit of a a little bit of a life guide, a little bit of a self-help one. But this is one that was directed towards women. And so he was kind of talking about how, you know, in the conservative movement, there are more women than people realize. It's not just a bunch of old crotchety, rich white guys kind of a deal. But he was just basically talking about how a lot of women say something along the lines of, you know, it's really, really hard to find a good man, whatever a good man is, but that doesn't matter. It's really hard to find a good man. And then he starts talking a lot about kind of what we're not taught in life, right? Women aren't really taught what to look for. Women are taught to avoid certain things and certain types of guy and certain toxic things, but there's not a whole lot of talk about what we should be and what we should do. And that, that applies to men as well. You know, we're told the things that we shouldn't do, the things we should tamp down, the things that we should relax, but at the same time, we're not really taught what we should do. And so this is a much longer clip uh, than what I'm going to actually play for you, but I'm going to play a little snippet, a couple of minutes here of something that he said during this whole little ending of his podcast that I thought would be applicable to us and will get us into our content and into our discussion for today. So here we go. But we don't, what we don't talk about nearly enough anymore is what you do have to be. We talk about how you have to love yourself and how you don't have to fit into any molds, but what is it that you have to be? What is it that you have to do? Because in order for you to be a good woman or in order for someone to be a good man, there has to be a standard. And I will say this, for the women out there looking for a good man, there are certain things that a man has to do. There are certain standards that you should be looking for. And I think that women today are taught to look for the wrong things nearly always. Let me explain. First off, nice. How often do you hear like, what is it? Well, he's nice. Could not be less relevant to looking for the right man. Throw it out. If you're looking for a good man, nice doesn't even enter into the equation. 
Now, if you're asking, is he generous? Is he compassionate? Is he merciful? Is he empathetic? Does he treat people and women with respect? These are all good things, of course, because these are character qualities. Nice is not, because nice is circumstantial. Eddie Haskell was nice. Hitler was apparently nice to kids. Osama bin Laden apparently was really nice to kids. And here's something that I think is important. A lot of women, they'll you'll choose a man because he's nice and then complain that as a husband, we see this a lot, he's not living up to the expectations or he isn't giving you what you need. And then we go back to it's difficult to find a good man. Here, here's the deal. It's important that you find a man, okay? A husband, yes, let's not talk about nice, but who is loving toward you, who is compassionate toward you, who is considerate. As a Christian, I believe that a husband should love his wife as Christ loved the church, which means it's his own body. What does that mean? You don't abuse your body. You take care of it, you only get one. So I'm going to assume before I give you the rest of this advice that you're starting off with that. Not some domestic abuser who should be put behind bars, okay? Don't take this out of context, otherwise this won't help you. But something else I would like for you to take into consideration, women out there who find yourself struggling to find a man. If you have to choose between a man who is generally nice, more specifically a man who values, I guess nice, over righteous anger, you should pick righteous anger every time. A man who values nice above all else is not a man who can lead a family. He's not a man who can protect you. He's not a man who most, impo more, most importantly can serve you. And by the way, it's also pretty damn easy to be nice. It's very easy to go through life being nice. I'm not talking about being polite, but being the nice go along, get along guy. It's easy to be confrontationally evasive. You know what's harder? Righteous anger. It's harder for a man to grow a spine and stick his neck out from the foxhole, get in the fray when it's the right thing to do. So if you're dating a man or you're looking for a man and he's nice, that's great. But if you've never seen righteous anger, righteous indignation, if you've never seen him bow up the hair in the back of his neck stand up, you've never seen a guy who gets passionate about injustice or maybe comes close to getting his dukes up, that's cause for concern, ladies. Does any of that sound familiar? It should, because you've heard me talk about certain things like that before. Now, he goes on to talk a lot more kind of in this diatribe about the, the standards that we look for. You know, if you if you have a choice between those two types of men, kind of what, what do you want to be, the nice guy or the guy that can be righteously angry? But again, he, he goes in and talks about, you know, what righteous anger is not. It's not getting mad at stupid stuff. It's not getting mad in traffic. It's not getting at a fight at the bar for no reason. Righteous anger stems from love. That was the point that he was trying to make. It stems from love. But he also talks about if you're a woman and you're looking for a husband, you don't need a husband that's kind of like a golden retriever. You need a Rottweiler. Now, you need a Rottweiler or a German Shepherd or, or one of those animals that has the capability to be dangerous but is under control. And we'll certainly get more into that a little bit later. But he just kind of talks about how women have been lied to. That you're constantly being told to look in the wrong place. The church has done a really bad job of teaching you where you should look. All the waves of feminism, first through third, have all kind of taught you, you know, what to look for, but it's not really telling you the right things. And then in addition to that, we haven't really taught young men when righteous indignation is appropriate. We haven't really showed them those things. And, you know, women, it's the women that are most in love with their man or most dedicated. It, they kind of want to strangle them sometimes. They, they, there's those times where they're like, why won't this guy just do and be exactly what I want him to be? But they would rather have a guy like that than a guy that's just milk toast. And again, 
the the way that you can kind of get an idea of if righteous anger is righteous is if it's aimed at evil or injustice. That was the point that he was making, aimed at evil and injustice, because he makes this example. Sometimes violence is virtuous. Sometimes violence is used to rape people, and sometimes violence is used to stop a rape. That was uh, that was a really good example that he's used that I've heard before as well. But again, righteous anger should never be aimed at you. So ladies that are listening to this, and I hope you're out there, righteous anger should never be aimed at you. That's not what righteous anger is. This isn't some sort of a cloak to put over a guy that likes to beat his wife because, you know, she didn't make the make the dinner in the way that the guy wanted or whatever the situation might be. But again, he kind of ends his point here by saying that a man that has never had righteous anger is a coward. They're, they're a weak person and they will most likely be a bully because bullies are not strong people. Bullies are weak people, but they will torture those that are weaker than they are. And so guys, you've heard me talk about this before. And if you haven't heard me before, I will repeat it. If the biggest compliment that you can receive from somebody, be that male, female, coworker, family member, spouse, whatever, is that you're a nice guy that is dangerous. And I, I don't, I can't think of another way to say it, that if, if you think that being a nice guy is the number one draft pick characteristic that you want to have, you're doing it wrong. You're doing life wrong. You're doing manhood wrong. I, and I'll get into my reasons for that later uh, a little bit more. I'll elucidate a little bit further, but guys, I've been around so many guys in my life and it's typically in the church. I mean, surprise, surprise, you go to a Sunday school class or you go to a church camp or you go to any of those things. All the guys are really, really nice. And if your wife asks you, well, what do you think about Jimmy? What do you think about John? What do you think about Bob? Oh, you know, they seem like a nice guy, which when you say it like that, you're like, well, Kyle, don't we want to be nice? Should we be angry? Should we be intimidating? All those things. Shouldn't we be nice guys? Wasn't Jesus a nice guy? At point, I would remind you that Jesus was able to walk his way through an angry mob that was trying to kill him by just looking at them. It probably wasn't the look of a nice guy. Probably wasn't the look of some milk toast guy with his shirt pressed and his jeans nice and unwrinkled and his and his boots nice and shined up. It wasn't just this nice guy that we like to look at. Okay, but now I want to transition and talk a little bit to the ladies. So for the ladies that are listening to this, this is something that you should really consider because I know a lot of uh, women in my life, a lot of women that are maybe friends of my wife, that uh, they don't have a man in their life right now. Or the man that they have in their life right now is a pussy. He's, he's just, you know, he's milk toast. He just, he just exists in the world, right? But to the ladies that are listening to this, this is what you should look for in a man. You might think that you want a nice guy, but you don't. And, you know, you could call this mansplaining if you want to. That, that's fine. I'll wear the label. But you know this is true deep down. You don't need a nice guy. You need a real man. A real man. And for any of you listening to this, for you ladies, don't just take my word for it, okay? So as I was thinking through this podcast and thinking about the words that Steven Crowder used, I thought about Ali Stuckey. So Ali Stuckey is kind of a, she's a conservative personality commentator, um, but she has, I think to date, the most watched PragerU video of all time. If it's not number one, it's in the top three, right? And PragerU is this kind of conservative think tank that puts out these videos that kind of gets gets you thinking on these deeper level of topics. But I remembered she talked about this thing. um, She basically had this PragerU presentation called Make Men Masculine Again. 
And I remember before I clicked on this link, the first time I ever watched the video, it actually came out on my birthday a couple of years ago. As I was like, okay, they were obviously playing off the make, make America great again, MAGA MAGA stuff, you know, make something great again. But it said make men masculine again. And so I was obviously interested in it. I wanted to click on it. And then I was like, by Ali Stuckey? Really? By some chick? I, that was my thought. It, it's probably a rude thought, but that was my thought. Like, you know, what does she have to say about this? And I, I mean, I couldn't have been any more wrong in terms of my initial reaction, but she goes into talking about how men have this kind of unbridled ambition and aggression and violence. But the thing is, is most of what society's trying to do is they're trying to delete that from the male psyche. They don't want that ambition and, and aggression and violence, right? But the thing is that they don't understand is those things cannot be deleted from the male psyche, that they can only be harnessed for the sake of good. And the thing about toxic masculinity that everyone's talked about that I did a two-part series on on this podcast a while back, it isn't less masculinity. That's not the answer to toxic masculinity. It's better masculinity. This is the point that Ali Stuckey was making. And the thing is, is in modern society, we don't have a problem with men being too masculine. That is not the problem. We have a problem with if not being masculine enough. I mean, guys, how many times, go back to episode four of this podcast. How many times have we talked about this just in the church? not even in macro society, just in the church. We don't have a problem with the men being way too masculine. That That's not real. It's that the men aren't nearly masculine enough. But there was a nice little section here that I want to play for you. It's about a minute, minute and a half or so. And I really want the ladies to listen to this and guys listen to this as well, because I'll obviously be using it. And there's an amazing quote here towards the end. So I'm going to go ahead and get into a section of the Make Men Masculine Again clip from Ali Stuckey and PragerU. Here's a secret that every woman knows. Women want real men. Men they can count on and yes, look up to. No amount of feminist theory will change that. I don't know any woman at any age who is attracted to a passive man who looks to her to be his provider, protector, and leader. Every woman I know wants a strong, responsible man. That's not a consequence of a social construct or cultural pressure. It's innate. The devaluation of masculinity won't end well because feminine passive men don't stop evil. Passive men don't defend, protect, or provide. Passive men don't lead. Passive men don't do the things we have always needed men to do for society to thrive. In his book, The Abolition of Man, English social philosopher C.S. Lewis writes about this problem. He describes the tension between cerebral man and visceral man. By his intellect, Lewis explains, Man is mere spirit, and by his appetite, mere animal. We need both. Take away one, and you're left with a man who's either weak or wicked. And in a world of wickedness, weak men are nothing more than enablers of wicked men. Rape, murder, war. They all have two things in common. Bad men who do the raping, murdering, and warring, and weak men who won't stop them. We need good men who will. It's not masculinity that's toxic. It's the lack of it. Again, to reiterate, I couldn't have been any more wrong in terms of what I was expecting from that video, what Ali Stuckey actually gave you. But again, what a great quote in there. I want to make sure that you hear it again. I'm going to say it. I'm going to read it to you. Is that weak men are nothing more than enablers of wicked men. And so I, I kind of have that question for guys that would consider themselves to be nice guys or guys that don't really feel the need to, to be, you know, hyper-masculine or maybe even masculine at all is how would you reconcile that viewpoint with this quote? 
Weak men are nothing more than enablers of wicked men. And I don't want to get into these big, long discussions about, you know, how to stop violence, blah, blah, all these different things, because that gets into a lot of different areas that I don't want to go into on this particular podcast. But you can't say that that's not true. In, in the righteous wars that this country has fought before, in, in those times of intercession, when you have men that are interceding for those that are weaker than the people that are attacking them, the sheepdog concept, the wolf, the sheep, and the sheepdog, weak men are nothing more than enablers of wicked men. So to a guy that is okay with not being masculine, why would you want to be a sheep? Just because you are a sheep doesn't mean, or sorry, maybe we'll take it this way. You really want to be a sheepdog. That doesn't automatically mean you can become one. It doesn't automatically mean that you have that, that fortitude or that capability. It doesn't mean you shouldn't strive for it, but why would you, why would you settle for being a sheep? You might get to a point one day where you realize, maybe I don't have what it takes to be a sheepdog, but that would, in, would insinuate that you've actually tried. You've tried to be a sheepdog and you were found wanting. You didn't hit the mark. And so I've talked to the ladies a little bit in this podcast. And a lot of that of kind of this first 15, 16 minutes or so has been talking to the ladies. But now I want to transition to the men. Because again, guys, the title of this episode is women don't need us to be nice. That doesn't mean be a dickhead. That doesn't mean be mean. That, but women don't need us to be nice. Now, again, women might think that they want us to be nice, but they don't. They don't. A real woman would tell you that. They would confirm that. Women don't need us to be nice. They need us to be three things, guys. And these aren't exhaustive things. These aren't the only three things. But these are the top three things that a woman needs us to be. They need us to be present. They need us to be dangerous. And they need us to be meek. We're going to go ahead and break each one of those down. Let's go with the first one. They need us to be present. So most men that I know, and I I am saying most on purpose, most men that I know are not mentally present. They're just not there. They're buried in their phones. They're buried in fantasy football. They're buried in Instagram. They're buried in pornography. They're buried in statistics. They're buried in politics. They're buried on, you know, Twitter fights or, you know, Facebook comment. They're buried. And, oh, honey, I, I, I can't really deal with that right now. The, the, the game's on. The game's on. Or, honey, like, I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, what? we just got to, to this next level of the video game. And I'm playing with a guy who's a friend of mine from the Philippines. And, uh, we, you know, we, we got to do this right now. Right? It's a computer game, honey, don't you understand? It's a PlayStation game, honey, don't you understand? Uh, honey, I understand that you need all these things done and you need me to help out with the kids, but I, I, if I don't go play golf, I just, I don't know how I'm going to get through this week at work. There's not mentally present. They're, they're somewhere else at all times. And here's another thing I know about most men. Most men in my life, they're not emotionally present either. They're, they're just not there emotionally. And I mean that in a lot of different ways. They're not there emotionally to support their families, to support their spouses, to support their kids, but they're not there emotionally either because they don't even understand their own emotions. That's one thing about me is I have a fairly good amount of uh, recognition of what I'm going through at the time. Now, I struggle at, at times to control my emotions, but I can certainly recognize, yes, I'm angry right now. Yes, I'm frustrated right now. Yes, I, I want to be introverted right now. I don't want to talk to anybody, right? I, I go through those moments, but a lot of guys, they're just not emotionally present. They're, they're not available to people emotionally. 
And again, guys, you're listening to a guy right now that struggles with emotionality. Did I just make up a word? I may have emotionality, just being emotional and, and, you know, understanding where someone's coming from with their emotions and, and being empathetic and those things. I struggle there, but that doesn't mean I can't be emotionally present. And then in addition to that, again, women need us to be present. A lot of men, I'm not going to say most men, but a lot of men are not present, present, just, just flat out present. They're just not physically there when they are there. They're emotionally and mentally absent. They're, they're not present, but they're just not even there. They're flat out just gone. They're, they're gone for business. They're gone because they're a deadbeat. And the thing about this is guys is this takes a tremendous amount of toll on the family, a tremendous toll. It takes a huge toll on the spouse, but especially the children. Guys, if you've done any research or reading or even on this podcast, when you look at when dad's not around, I mean, I just pulled these from a study that was taken in 2017. When dad's not around, this is about the children. There's four times greater risk of poverty, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. The kids are more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect. They're twice as uh, likely to have infant mortality. There's a greater risk of infant mortality. They're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. They're more likely to go to prison. They're two times more likely to be obese. They're more likely to commit a crime. They're two times more likely to drop out of high school. And guys, I could keep going. I could go on and on and on. You get the point. Now, and the statistics vary. And here's the thing. We've, we've got the census coming up in 2020, so we'll have much tighter statistics here. But here's some damning statistics. About 30% of white children in the United States are born out of wedlock. About 50% of Hispanic children are born out of wedlock. And about 75% of black children are born out of wedlock. And so you might be like, oh, well, just because it's out of wedlock doesn't mean the dad's not there. Okay, well, here's the next level of statistics. 20% of white children live without dad in the home. 25% of Hispanic children live without dad in the home. And 50% of black children live without dad in the home. These are the latest statistics I could find. Again, they vary, but those are pretty close, right? And guys, I've said this before, but those statistics only look at the binary of is dad there or is he not? Is he present or is he absent? It does not even matter if dad's a good dad. It's significantly better even if dad's just there. It's just flat out better if he's around. So ladies, you need a man that's present. And guys, you've got to be present, physically present, emotionally present. You've got to be mentally present. You've got to be around. That's the first thing you need to worry about. The second thing is this. The second thing is this. Women don't need men to be nice. They need us to be dangerous. They need us to be dangerous. And guys, this is where I'm going to talk about spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, and also the ability to be dangerous in those areas. So let's start with spiritual. Are you spiritually dangerous? And what I mean by that is, is Satan worried about you? Is he worried about how strong you are? Is he worried about how much you're depending on Christ? Is he trying unique ways to get at you and at your family? Are you spiritually dangerous? Do you know how to fight back against the dark forces that are in this world that are having an impact on your family and the families around you? Do you know how to fight back? There's a lot of guys that I know, they know how to read, they know how to read the Bible, right? They don't really know how to apply it. They know how to go through a Bible study with some buddies at 6 a.m. 
on, on a Tuesday morning at IHOP, but they don't really know how to defend their family against the attacks of the evil one. They're not spiritually dangerous. Now let's talk about being mentally dangerous. Because one thing that I know, just training the way that I do and and training guys the way that I do and training with guys doing jujitsu or any of those types of things, is you can tell when a guy is pretty physically weak. And when you look around and you look look around at guys that are kind of easy to break, I mean, that's not a dangerous man. Oh, the, the workout just started getting hard. You just got your heart rate up. Oh, you got to go take a break. You got you got to go sit down. You got to go grab some water. You're weak, man. I'm not worried about that guy. I'm worried about the guy that is mentally calloused over, that can work through the pain. And even beyond that, because we're kind of, you know, teetering on into physical and we'll get there in just a second. But the guy that is not even mentally strong enough to get through a work week. He has to take three or four breaks an hour to look at Instagram or or to go to the bathroom or to do whatever, because he's not even mentally able to stay on a task. You've also got the guy that is not mentally available to spar with people mentally. When people are saying nonsense things, whether it's, you know, the principal at your kid's school or the coach on the team or just a guy at work that's spewing this, you know, generic atheistic nonsense. Are you mentally able to spar with that person? You're not dangerous. Some people think if they have opinions that that makes them dangerous. No, it makes you a human being. Ah, you like blue more than you like purple. That, that's not, that doesn't say anything about who you are as a man. It's just an opinion. There's a lot of guys out there that have opinions. They have no idea why they think that. And if they get asked a single follow-up question, they, they, they can't support anything that they believe with evidence. Evidence? Why would I need evidence? I'm a nice guy. Why, why would anyone ever challenge me? Why would I ever need to defend this? Why would I need to explain to somebody why it's morally bankrupt to kill a child in the womb? Why would I need to explain to somebody that whenever you're acting out in a homosexual way, that you're not just doing that to yourself, that you're having a larger impact than that? Why would I need to do that? Why would I need to explain that the government shouldn't come in and take an overwhelming majority of the wealth that I've created and give it to people that have done nothing? Like, Why would I need to argue that? It's because they're not mentally dangerous. And then the last one, which I talk about a lot, which you guys are going to hear this forever, as long as this podcast keeps going, is women need us to be physically dangerous as well. We need to be spiritually dangerous. We need to be mentally dangerous, but we have to be physically dangerous. How can we become physically dangerous? Go back to my podcast episode with Pat McNamara. Is your combat chassis ready to go? If you needed to run two miles at a full clip to save your life or to save someone else's life, would you be capable of doing that? Do you have what it takes to subdue someone that's trying to do you or someone else harm if you don't have a weapon in your hands? Just saw a video, uh, one of the guys, a longtime listener of this podcast named Brandon, uh, he sent me uh, a video of this, this kid. He's a high school wrestling champion, right? This kid's 16, 17 years old. There was a guy that was trying to kidnap three kids in a parking lot. And this kid who I was apparently across the street at another gas station sprints across the road and gets this guy, slams him, takes him down, and then holds him in a pinned position for three, four, five minutes before the cops showed up. He's a kid. He's 16, 17 years old. And in that same video, there were other men that, oh God, I don't, I don't want to intercede and they're covering up their faces. And at one point there was a guy that literally, you know, put himself on the wrong side of the door of where the danger was. 
He needed to be on the other side of the door trying to defend those that were weaker than he was. But he, but he wasn't doing that. But this 16, 17-year-old high school kid was ready to go. He was physically dangerous. And like a sheepdog would, he interceded for the sheep. Are you prepared to do that? And I'm not talking to the guys like, oh, well, I, I want to fight when I was 15. You know, I beat up this guy at a party. That doesn't make you physically dangerous. That means you want to fight back in the day. What about right now? You're 45 years old and you can barely see your toes. Like, what? You're not dangerous. If a woman needs you to intercede on her behalf, especially your woman, the one that has chosen you, you dope, are you physically capable of taking care of her? Have you trained with weaponry? Have you trained with knives or guns or any of those types of things if that is an appropriate thing for you to have in that moment? And then if you don't have those things at your disposal, are, are you mentally ready to go to enact physical harm on another person? Again, guys, women don't need us to be nice. They need us to be dangerous. Spiritually, mentally, and physically dangerous. And the last thing here, guys, is women don't need us to be nice. Women need us to be meek. Meek. And that may be surprising to you guys. Some of you smarter guys, you know where I'm going with this. But Jesus, back in uh, the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, verse 5, this is kind of the Beatitudes section. He says this, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then we also have, that one's kind of, when people talk about meekness, that's the one they normally go to. But I'm more interested in Matthew 11, verse 29. I'm going to read from the King James Version here because I really like it. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So the interesting thing about this is Jesus is talking about himself. He's describing himself. He's describing, you know, his characteristics, his personality. And he describes himself as meek and lowly in heart or humble in heart. And the thing about it is this attaches to the previous thing. So this attaches to being dangerous. Because guys, guess what? You can't be meek if you're not also dangerous. And so this is where I kind of need to flow a little bit on meekness because obviously most people think of meekness as weakness. You've heard people talk about this before. I'm certainly not saying anything you haven't heard before, but that's what most people think is meekness. That's weakness. That's, you know, the diary of a wimpy kid. That's the kid with his shoulders down and doesn't want to make eye contact with anybody. That's meek, but that's not what meekness is. And there's an interesting clip. I'm going to play it for you here. It's Jordan Peterson. It's just talking about a minute. So this is a guy again that I don't think you could call this guy a Christian. He's certainly not a pastor, but this is a guy that is learning the scriptures. He's going deep into the scriptures and he has a very interesting take on the word meekness. And the thing about it is, is even pastors would not disagree with his opinion here, but this is is an opinion that I haven't really, or not an opinion necessarily. This is a a definition of meekness that I don't think is said enough in the church. So I just want to kind of give a little bit of of a spot here for Jordan Peterson to explain to us how we should look at the word meekness. There's a line in the New Testament that says, and it's in the Sermon on the Mount, says the meek shall inherit the earth. And that, I heard that line always bothered me. I thought, no way, that's not, that's not right. Meek can't be the right word. So when I was doing the story of Noah and talking about the Sermon on the Mount, I spent a bunch of time looking at commentaries on that line, looking at the roots, the, you know, the Greek roots and the Hebrew roots, and trying to figure out what that meant. And it, meek does not mean meek. That's wrong. Here's what it means. Those who have weapons and know how to use them but still keep them sheathed will inherit the earth. Jesus. 
That's a lot different, man. It's a lot better, right? Because the way it's normally, it's normally interpreted is, if you're so weak that you're harmless, then things will go well for you. It's like, no, that's not right. That's, and that's not, that can't be right. It doesn't fit with the narrative. It certainly doesn't fit with this narrative. I mean, I absolutely love that explanation there because that's the most appropriate explanation. And again, through, through society and through kind of modern meanings of words and, and different things like that, we just, we don't get that anymore. When you read the Bible in the English version that you're re- reading it in today and you see the word meek, you don't think of what Jordan Peterson just said, but he's correct. And the thing is, guys, is that's what women need from us. They need us to have bridled danger. That, that's why these last two are connected, right? I mean, you got to be present, but danger and meekness is connected. Because Jesus was a dangerous man, but he kept it in check. Some of the best men you know, the sheepdogs in your life, the reason why they're sheepdogs is not because they just spew out their, their aggression and their anger and their violence for anybody who's willing to take it on the chin. They have a sword, they know how to use it, but they keep it sheathed. And how many of you guys could be considered meek? Because to some of you guys that I'm talking to, you're not meek. You're loud. You're the guy that goes poking the dude in the chest at the bar like, you want to go outside? You want to see what I'm about? You're the open carry guy, right? I don't need that. I got my gun. I'm good to go. You're not meek. You're loud. And then you got the other side. You're not meek. You're nice. Gosh, you're just so nice. If I'm out of town and and something happens with my wife and she's crying and and I literally physically can't be there, you know, I might have you and your wife go over there because I know you're going to hold her hand and you're going to talk to her and it's going to be the sweetest, cutest little thing possible. But guess what? If I'm physically unable to be somewhere and my wife is in danger, I'm not calling you. She doesn't need a counselor right now. She doesn't need a nice guy. She needs a meek guy who's about to show his anger, who's about to show his aggression, who's about to show what it is to be righteous and show what it is to be dangerous. So to put a bow on this for you guys, again, listen to me. Listen to me here. Women do not need us to be nice. They need us to be present. They need us to be dangerous. And they need us to be meek. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing you content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, I've got a few things for you. I've got that clip from the uh, Louder with Crowder show. You start at about 1.15.26. So again, if you want to listen to the Alex Jones stuff and all that, great, fine, it's up to you. But what I'm talking about is about an hour and 15 minutes and 26 seconds in. Then I've also got another video that is the Ali Stuckey uh, make men masculine again from Prager U. I've got those statistics I cited earlier from fatherhood.org in terms of what happens when the father is absent. And then I've got that little clip from Jordan Peterson, if you would like to hear him say that live. 
Thank you guys very much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, make sure you leave us one. If you think we're four stars or below, ah, just move on. But if we're five stars or more, leave us five stars in a few sentences, letting us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. So if you want me to come speak at your team, on your men's event, at your podcast, whatever, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. Again, that's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.